1: This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right, yeah, I know. No.
0: In an uncertain world, there is always music, which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday Fifteen, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate fifteen minutes to both. Today we speak to comic Dane Baptiste about the black British invasion of Hollywood and what one prominent African American thinks about it.
1: Baby, I'm hot just like I need some love
0: One of my favourite ever mashups, Marvin Gaye meets Bob Marley, Healing in Veins is probably one of the best ever created. It comes from the bangers are mashed crew, it blends a soul and reggae masterpiece into a perfect whole. RIP DJ Derek. I mean, you know you were in LA back in December right did you feel any twinge of guilt about the fact that you were over there potentially taking a role from a from an african american you've been a, a black brit and all because as according to samuel l jackson there's too much of it going on
2: No, I do not really feel guilty at all. I guess culturally or racially, because we're all part of the African diaspora, I don't really see why we have to adhere to those kind of borders. Like, you know, American artists in terms of music are always seeking to penetrate the uh, European market with their music. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a big time when a lot of R&B singers had changed their sound to EDM, you know, to mimic a more uh, European sound. You know, Drake being one of the more prolific rappers, in the game right now, he makes but, a concerted effort to endear himself to a British audience.
0: But I, I suppose part of Samuel Jackson's kind of lament about this, and you touched on it a little, is that if you're specifically looking at roles about the African American experience to our Black British folks to play them, our history around race and oppression and marginalisation is different from this. It's similar, but it, but it is different, isn't it? And and he's and as, as according to him we don't know that experience
2: well yeah I I mean I completely disagree I mean there is argument that there's some elements of of our uh, journey so far as uh, race relations has been somewhat different but then at the same time there's a massive amount of parallels I don't really see the enormous differences between uh, you know some of the practices of misrepresentation or you know police targeting being marginalised along other economic or political lines that's any different to an African American. I mean, arguably, again as well. You know, you had an African American playing a Nigerian American, uh, mm-hmm. Will Smith in a concussion, and then you had Morgan Freeman I think playing like Nelson Mandela in a film as well. And so, you know, given there's enormous difference between uh, the race, the racism experience of uh, continental Africans as opposed to African Americans as well, and it's actually a uh, common narrative amongst other parts of the diaspora outside of the US that Americans, even though they designate themselves as African-Americans, typically tend to struggle to understand or be aware of uh, African culture, whereas I think that uh, black Britons are a lot more enlightened about the uh, nuances of the differences between, for example, maybe West Africans in the form of Nigerians and Ghanaians or Sierra Leoneans, where I think a lot of African-Americans will struggle to make the distinction.
0: I think it'd be hard to disagree with that that as a point. However, if you look at the list of stars uh, that have crossed over the Atlantic recently, obviously Idris Elba started that. Then you got John Boyega in Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Uh, then you got Naomi Harris in Moonlight. Beautiful Etta Twelve Years a Slave. David Oyelowo in, Sa- in Selma. Sophie Oconido in Raising the Sun. You know, the list is pretty extensive. And then, of course, you've got David Harewood, uh, who was in 24 and now is going to be the Martian Manhunter. You know, you you, you could feel you could understand that if you were uh, an African-American actor, you know, you feel like almost like a a persecuted uh, kind of species, really.
2: I mean, that is arguable, but then I think if someone like Samuel Jackson felt that strongly about it, then, you know, he's been in a few roles that he could very easily uh, leave vacant for some of the other struggling African-American actors. Mm-hmm. Does Samuel L. Jackson need to do 51st State, where he's playing the descendant of a, Sc- of, of a Scotsman? I'm sure it shows a few, you know, uh, Scottish uh,
1: what, actors. Why, or why, play that why, role.
0: why do you think Hollywood, because there's a rider question here, obviously, is that Hollywood for the last... Let's say 15 years has been in love with British actors, full stop, hasn't it? Why has that happened, do you reckon?
2: Well, according to Samuel Jackson, he said the reasons are is that Black Britons are viewed as being classically trained uh, as well as being a lot more economical to employ the African American actors. We're cheap. Yeah, we're cheap. We come cheap and we've got the training. Um, which, so, you know, someone that's grown up in a capitalist free economy should understand how that works. That's how, that's how, that's, how, that's how industries work. If you so, can so, get, so you Dane,
0: know. Dane, when you when you were flown over, I mean, you must have flown over Virgin Atlantic to have your your meet and greets in December. Did you feel cheap? Did you feel that? Um, um,
2: yes, that... because I, I felt cheap because I need to make it very clear that I was flown I flew over via Norwegian Airlines, <laughs> not Virgin Atlantic.
0: So, <laughs> well, so wasn't, that is the airline. cheap. It? it absolutely. Is. I yeah. tell you what, it's bloody amazing, Norwegian. I can fly, yes. return, London to oakland which is basically san francisco 350 pound return that's amazing see i'm surprised amazing. there aren't more so why, would, why would you take
2: that that's how business works it's like if you can get you know higher amount of output for your input then that's what you do so i guess industrially speaking it makes sense for uh plus or, or what Samuel jackson needs to do is maybe lower his prices then and he wasn't complaining about this stuff and he was making the spirit or the man or the other guys he was in the other guys the cameo for like maybe 20 minutes mm. i could have gone to anybody so i, I didn't necessarily feel cheap i just felt, that you know if money in a globalized market if money is able to cross borders then labor should be able to do the same and if you can go somewhere where you can exploit an opportunity in order to realize either your creative or uh you know professional potential or your economic potential then you know somebody that's grown up in america should understand that more than anybody else
0: well well we're arguing for a world of Protectionist borders, the lack of freedom, freedom of movement of uh, of labour, and a Trumpian protectionist world. There aren't we? Um, as a Brit, as somebody who grew up in the mean streets of South London, was it Bromley or somewhere where you grew up? I, I can't. I grew up in
2: Lewisham, I, go, I, go, I go my way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, David Boyega territory. Um, how, yeah. how, how did you find um, LA? How, how, how does that whole system work when you have to go out there and just meet people in
2: meetings? It's something I'm very used to. I would say maybe the platitudes of uh, the industry in LA are Mm -hmm. probably different to the the British in that, um, you know, the whole meet and greet and networking thing is not something that's that alien to me. But I guess it's how enthused people are to meet you when they've never met you before and could potentially not see that much of your work to form an idea of your talent, how enthusiastic they are. So more succinctly put, they can blow smoke up your ass in LA. But the important thing is not to get caught up in all of that and then end up, you know, becoming very disillusioned in La La Land.
0: Talk, talking about so, L.A., or at least Long Beach, California, piece of music that you've nominated this week is Vince Stable's uh, Backpack, and he's from that neck of the woods. Tell me about the Cutthroat Boys.
2: Um, I haven't heard a lot about the Cutthroat Boys. I know he's the crew that he's a part of, but I kind of came across Vince Stable's online, like most people do when you're practically looking for good music. Uh-huh. And I just found his uh, his rapping style to be amazing. Um, I think it's that. Well, nice. I... I I think that there's a lot of time with rap, obviously it's stratified in a number of different sub-genres. And I kind of like all of them. And, you know, it's somebody who is just talking about their experience and that's kind of balanced with artistry and lyricism. And his aesthetic, not just, you know, his uh, lyrical and rapping ability, but the whole aesthetic so far as how Vince Staples, the concepts for his videos, I just find it very inspiring and uh, very uh, refreshing.
0: Right. So back in the day, there was East Coast and West Coast rap, and, and I just don't know an awful lot about this. Um, does that divide still still really stand with somebody like Vink mm. Staples? Is he sound different from, I don't know, some guy from, from the East Coast from New York, let's say?
2: Uh, not massively. I think um, hip hop, you know, following the East Coast West Coast beams like hip hop and the deaths of uh, uh, Biggie and Tupac respectively, like it sh- shone on a whole new light on hip hop and obviously gave a lot, a much larger profile in the states. And as a result of which, the kind of post Biggie Tupac era, you've seen that there is uh, people are no longer confined to a particular style based on the region they come from, because you could say, for example, arguably someone like ASAP Rocky, who's basically who's from Harlem originally, mm-hmm. has a very southern sound, as does Drake, who's a North American and more specifically a Canadian. Um then you have, you know, somebody like uh, Wiz Khalifa, who is uh, from Philadelphia, called Pennsylvania. And, you know, he sounds more like a West Coast act. Finn Stables, I would say, he's somebody who kind of his style, it has a lot of West Coast sensibilities in terms of the uh, subject matter, but at the same time, much faster pace than you know, people you see from, like, you know, a lot of California rappers. Um, very reminiscent of, like, Corrupt from The Dog Pound. Uh-huh. Very lyrical. but And, you know, following the vein of, like, you know, the whole black hippie movement with, like, Kendrick Lamar. I think you're finding there's been a resurgence of West Coast rap, which is uh, very much focused on uh, lyrical ability and having a lot of depth to lyrics. So, I mean, yeah, the whole thing's changed. Like, you know, everyone, everyone can sound different from anywhere now.
1: For my future, baby mama, hope your skin is black as midnight. I'll take you out there, hunter. I can put you in the bins, I can balance out your chakras. Fornication is a sin. We can fuck on night, regardless. So I found all in heaven as I pray for new McClarence. Pray the police don't come blow me down because of my complexion. Everybody think they know me now because I'm chicken checking. negro, you and I'm a homie. How dare you think it's different? Boy, you trippin'. Cash breaking, dip the cash game. I flip the stack, yeah, yeah, stack. Found it. Depth close to 3,230 feet. A deep dive. Clap your hands you can probably sell a profile. You ain't gotta worry, don't be scary, cause we own now. Ain't no dental side unless we send the body hotel. Tell the rubber to the a beat cause we own now. dick Because we own now, tell the president to suck a dick because we own now, tell the government to suck a dick because we own now. 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 We
0: own now. Well, I'm, I'm the last person to really talk, talk about rap because I kind of signed off with rap kind of just about the start of Public Enemy I says you know what Public Enemy I got that but NWA by the time that came around I kind of signed out but I was (laughs) listening to some of my uh, younger cousins the other day and one of them was bemoaning the fact that you can't understand what people are saying anymore that there's this kind of lazy drawl style and it just and he just said mumble rap rap. yeah Yeah. is is that the latest beef between people that are, are into rap
2: I think that the divide between rap now is seems to be more of there is now a whole new crop of rappers who have kind of found their fame online mm-hmm. um, and then have a style which doesn't seem to place that much emphasis on uh, lyrical ability or lyrical depth has been yeah, described by a few people as being called mumble rap or remedial rap or just, and just terrible in a lot of cases so, um, de- so that tends to be the argument so it's more of a basis of being like yeah, more about the style as opposed to like uh, kind of regional differences
0: And and I suppose the easy joke is there that some people just call that crap
2: yeah some people yeah and they, and, they, and they do there are a lot of people that have been very vocal who listen some of the older rappers like Grandmaster Kaz have categorically said that they have uh, no interest in this uh, emerging style of rap so I think what has to be understood is that with some of the newer rappers now is that they have been brought up in a time where they have pretty much little to no awareness of rappers like uh, Big E or Tupac because they were probably born after they died it's very difficult you know to be aware of something if you weren't around for it and so I think remit really is to try and educate the younger generation about the legacy of hip hop and why it's provided these new opportunities uh, for some of this uh, for this next generation of rappers themselves. But then at the same time as well, it's just being aware that, you know, you know, rappers has allowed, you know, some of these younger African American men to provide opportunities which uh, Samuel Jackson continues to lament about. You know, giving the opportunity to reach their direct audience without having to go through the intermediaries of like record labels or industry. So I guess in a way, that's something that we should celebrate. And I guess with any market is that you're going to reach a point of saturation and cream always rises to the top. So if these rappers are good, they will last. If they're not that good, they won't last. It's just the way things work. And if their music is of a low quality and it is low as common denominator music, then odds are they'll have a very fickle audience who will move on when the next trend appears. Mm.
0: Very eloquently put. You obviously know what you're talking about with, with this rap stuff. I'm going to give Mr. Vince Staples um, a a bit of a proper listen and and, and tune in with you uh, next week and let you know how I get on. Um, Moving back on to to the matter in hand, you being a a black Londoner, what differences did you notice racially, culturally, and maybe culture is more important than race, or at least as important, uh, being in LA in that kind of movie media goldfish bowl? I'm always struck by by the fact that I spend half my year now in San Francisco. That whenever I open my mouth, I do get a slight double take, uh, and at a bar, somebody will launch into a conversation um, about
2: how can I have the accent that I have uh, with the skin yeah, colour that I, I have. You do. Exactly. Yeah. I've had that myself uh, in when I've gigged in uh, uh, in Scandinavian countries or in continental Europe, and it's because you know the uh, idea of a black man, usually the quintessential black man, is most people see that as being african-american because that's the that's the image that is purported to the world and as a well, result of which is the african-american, African-American male. or african-american
0: but but i'm surprised well, I mean, but i'm surprised i say more
2: african-american i'd say more african-american than uh-huh. an african but and, and it's the reason why you know as paul mooney says that african-american male is one of the most imita- is the most imitated male on the planet which i completely agree with
0: when we were chatting going backwards and forth about what exactly we were going to discuss and we looked at the list, the, pro- the list of the most prominent black British actors that have made their way over to Hollywood and had re- a reasonable amount of success. And we, we kind of noticed something, didn't we? And we go to that list again. So the John Boyega, Star Wars Force Awakens, Naomi Harris, Moonlight, Sheetal Letta Four, 12 Years a Slave, and Doctor Strange now. David Oyelowo uh, Selma, and United Kingdom is just done. Idris Elba, The Wire, Thor. The list just goes on and on and on with him. Sophie Okenedo, um, who did Raising the Sun. Um, there's a lot of people there with African surnames. Why do you think African Black Brits are having so much success over in Hollywood?
2: I think I think personally, statistically, um, it's the fact that you know the majority of the names you call that are people of Nigerian heritage. And mm-hmm. it's because, you know, I mean, in the UK now, especially in London, uh, Nigerians form the largest amount of uh, African or, you know, black immigrants in the country. So statistically, I guess more of them will there'll be more of them to go for jobs. And Nigeria is one of the most populous, if not the most populous uh, country in Africa. So I guess there's more of the guys to go over there. Um, and then I guess maybe arguably to an extent is there are Caribbeans making their way slowly out there as well. Because I said, you know, Naomi Harris, you mentioned, um, uh, so, as you know, Money Love was over there for years and she's still over there. Um, and I guess it's because, you know, potentially if you do have a, an African surname, then when people are thumbing through, you know, your headshots or your, your casting sheets, they might kind of be off putting I imagine that, you know, it's the same thing with any kind of job with your name. The more boring your name uh, sounds, the more adverse some employers can be to, you know, selecting you for the interview process. And maybe that was the experience that a lot of uh, African or African-British actors experienced, hence them going to the States. I would wage, though, that it's not a real common narrative from uh, British actors of African descent to thinking to themselves that, you know, all the Caribbeans are getting the jobs in the UK, so I'm going to give America a try. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't suggest it's as drastic as that.
0: So, 2018... Is the name Dame Baptiste going to be put on on the list of uh, Black British actors that have made it in the US?
2: I would like, I would hope so, but at the very least, um, maybe be on their radar as well as fellow creatives, and just be aware of uh, some of the other contemporaries trying to penetrate the market. So, you know, I remember, I remember um, Daniel, Daniel, for example, was in Get Out. Daniel clue was at a gig I was at uh, recently. Um, well, no, not recently, a couple of years ago. Um, so it's very inspiring to see somebody go uh, from a similar position to you to now being projected into a very successful vehicle uh, in Hollywood. And you know, hopefully it leads to uh, a lot more infinite success on his part as well. So um, I would say, yeah, best case scenario is that I can, I can join that list as well. Um, but, you know, even worst case scenario, even if, if they are the new kind of uh, African or English or British uh, A-list, then I can be delisted by 2018. But yeah, I'd love to be on the uh, crest of the wave that is this new Black British invasion of the US.
0: Dane okay, Baptiste, thank you for coming on to Friday 15. We'll look out for your star on Hollywood Boulevard in what, the next couple of years?
2: Yeah, next couple of years. Please look out for it.
0: Baba O'Reilly is by The Who. It is the opening track of the band's studio album, Who's Next, which was released in 1971, while Adultery sings on most of the epic song, with Pete Townshend singing The Middle Eight.
1: It's all- a time when if someone told you to do something you did it bam right on no questions asked it was yes sir and yes ma'am you never said no you know (laughs) but you know things are changing nowadays it's a new day babies folks want to take their own lives into their hands and make their own choices no longer do they want to go along with the program because everybody says right you know what i mean let me tell you what i'm talking about you see because i don't want so
0: Sinatra says you have the classiest singing and silky chops. In the singing game, you know you're doing something right. Lou Rawls released more than 60 albums, sold more than 40 million records. Natural High was nominated by listener Dave Lenthal on Twitter this week.
1: I'm going to taste it now my streak's on of them i don't trust you on the undercover i could probably make some steps
0: this is each other Woo! talking for ladies with the truffle butter fresh sheets and towels man she gotta love it yeah they all get what they desire from it what tell them niggas we ain't hiding from truffle it truffle butter is a track by american rapper Nicki minard it features drake and little wayne and contains a sample of maya jane cole's song what they say
1: Out loud. I must have about a million on me right now. And I ain't talking about that little Wayne record. I'm still a highest selling female rapper for the record. Man, this is 65 million single soul. I ain't gotta compete with a single soul. I'm good with the ballpoint game, finger roll. Ask me how to do it, I don't tell a single soul. Pretty women, what's up? Is your here right now? You a stand-up or is you in your chair right now? Uh do, 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 do you hear me? I can't lend a whack, nigga. Boy, can't this, of course, every day, but I ain't a dentist. Your whole and approach, I invented, and I ain't taking that back because I meant it.
0: Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget you can follow the show's progress on Facebook by simply typing in Friday 15. You can also find us on Twitter, where you can follow me where i'm at spelled R O I F I E L D. Now, every Thursday, you can jump onto Twitter and tweet me and nominate a song for me to put into this week's Friday 15. iTunes reviews, folks, are extremely important. They're the lifeblood of any podcast. Please go onto iTunes and write us a a glowing review. And don't forget, finally, you can email me where I'm Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. See you all again in seven days' time for more good music and great conversation.